Is one NFC North tight end about to disappoint as a sleeper this year? Are FFPC players underrating an AFC South running back? And which rookie wide receiver provides the best Football Guys Players Championship value? Plus, seven-time Football Guys League champ Dominic Rohde hangs out to talk Chargers running backs, Terry McLaurin, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Let's begin now. New cologne on. Feeling so good. Change the color to my phone. Orange Kool-Aid go good with Patron. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Hey, thanks a lot, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all of you FFPCers and all the Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. As always, I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is indeed the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk about Curtis Samuel's role for the Panthers and your fantasy rosters, what mid-round sleeper tight end you should be targeting, and chat with Dominic Rohde about opening his football guys drafts with a bunch of running backs and much more. That is all coming up on tonight's show. Uh, shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you all might have right in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, we are at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. Dave is at David Gerzak. Dominic is at FFPCDR313. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where you can connect with us there. 347-426-3682-347. Game over if you want to give us a jingle tonight. High Stakes Fantasy Football at gmail.com is where you can send all of your questions. And our audio engineer and my best friend Bryce, our producer and our mutual friend Rob, will get to those questions coming up in the fantasy feedback segment. Uh, at the uh, bottom of the hour, uh, it's it's going to be fun. Hey, listen, you looking to have some other fun? Live events are a go with the FFPC main event. Uh, early bird is ending in 17 days. So if you want, people always ask me, hey, Balky, where can I get the best deal on a main event team? It's right now. It's going on. MyFFPC.com, $100 off your first team, $400 off each additional team after that. And if you want to drive uh, draft live, uh, from the comfort of your own home uh, or out at Planet Hollywood. Either way, you're going to be able to do it uh, this year. $500,000 grand prize there. Speaking of $500,000 grand prizes, that is also going on with the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship in a $3.1 million prize pool. Early bird promotion there ends in 11 days. Register your teams there. Draft them before July 15th. And for every time you do that, up to three times, you will get a free uh, FFPC team credit. And don't forget, besides those two uh, big contests, we still have the Best Ball Slim Leagues, the Terminator Satellite Leagues, the Super Flex Leagues, Dynasty Startups, other best balls, all available at MyFFPC.com. I feel like I got the sales portion of the show out of the way, Dave. It is uh, 
Good to have you aboard tonight. We are in mid-June. We are, boy, I, I feel like we're about five weeks, six weeks away from pros versus Joes, and times aren't enough for people to register for that drawing. Yeah, you know, it actually feels like a, I, it's been like a long preseason. It feels like it's five to six weeks until the season starts, actually. But uh, it's a lot longer. There's still a lot of. Why is that this year? I mean, I know I think we should. We started. We, it got busier early. Everyone was trapped at home, so I feel like people have been drafting for a long time. Yeah, they have, and and I feel like this year we've had a lot more interest in dynasty startups. We've had a lot more interest in interest, excuse me, in best ball leagues. And you know, as much as I like to toot our own horn here on the HSFFR, there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of websites out there that are really starting to dedicate a lot of their content specifically towards FFPC stuff. And I pay attention to a lot of that. And I just think the exposure has made me um, more aware of, of everything going on. But we still got some time to go before, um, you know, the main events start up and, and before uh, uh, we hit 4th of July. But it's all, I mean, early birds are running out and we're going to be announcing pros versus Joes on this show in like three weeks or whatever it is. So it's crazy. Yeah, you know, I, I actually give a ton of credit to Alex. Alex has really done a fantastic job of um, – you know, creating whether it's, you know, marketing deals or partnerships, working with a lot of these content sites. There's a lot of really good people in the industry. Uh, you know, if Alex, if he wanted to be an ad executive on Madison Avenue or whatever, he would be actually really good at it. He's just good with, good with talking to people, just like an office space. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of um, uh, Alex uh, lining up uh, media partners for us. So I was on Rotoballer Radio earlier this morning, and we were talking about Father's Day weekend and everything. And I know you've seen a few Marvel movies. I don't know how many you've seen. Did you ever? I've been dragged through a few, yes. You like the first Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yes, I like Guardians of the Galaxy one and two. Yeah. Okay, so that was the one. So we were talking about Father's Day movies. I said, you know what, an excellent Father's Day superhero movie is to watch is Volume Two. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a tremendous, you know, I sure. mean, you got to <laughs> kind of be yeah. into the superhero aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. My kids love Marvel movies and we watched all of them. They only like to see like the fighting scenes and the cool parts. They don't like the quote unquote boring parts or the quote unquote scary parts. They wouldn't watch guardians of the galaxy. Either one of them. I said, they're really good movies. They don't like it because not enough of the main characters have superpowers. Oh really? Yeah. That was their big issue with it. Like Drax is really strong and yeah. star Lord flies around, but it's, they, they don't have it. So I, I like it too bad. Clearly. Cause it's, you know, it's more of a little more adult cause it's nuanced. It's funny. And it's, right. It's, it's yeah. Just, uh, yeah. It's, the humor is better in that. In those, those oh, movies. totally. Yeah. And the soundtrack is, are both great. The, the, the 70s, 80s music is great. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely great. All right, let's get into football here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Football Guys, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's rundown. Big news of the week. Debo Samuel uh, suffered a Jones fracture in his foot while he was working out yesterday, which was uh, June 18th. He is, uh, he's going to have surgery today performed by Dr. Robert Anderson. And according to the experts and the pundits, uh, he's going to be at full strength in three to four months. This is according to Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. Now, Debo Samuel obviously is going to say he's going to come back sooner. In fact, he thinks he's going to be on the field in 10 weeks. I think the safe money is probably him beginning the season on the pup list. And if that is the case, as long as he stays healthy, then he should be back week seven, which is sort of, you know, after two thirds of the regular season is over with, for the FPC and the main event. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, who wasn't really expected to do a lot early on, is probably going to take on a larger role. And Kendrick Bourne and Jalen Hurd obviously could be two guys that are going to be counted on too while Debo Samuel misses time. And then the other thing I noticed today is Richie James, another receiver for San Francisco, broke his wrist 
So they are dropping like flies in the Bay Area right now. Let's analyze this, Dave, and kick it off with Debo Samuel. Right now, uh, I shouldn't say right now, yesterday he went off the board and the uh, 9-10 turn, Dave, as wide receiver 41. This is right behind Marvin Jones and C.D. Lamb. It's right ahead of McCole Hardman and Christian Kirk. Knowing that he's going to miss it, well, I shouldn't say at least six weeks, but knowing that he's probably going to miss six weeks, are you on board with that 9-10 turn right there for Debo Samuel right now? Well, let's see. Um, from t- if the surgery was today, uh, 12 weeks is September 11th. That is before the season. That's the Friday before the season. Yeah, it's not, yeah essentially be week one. Okay. So that's I – th- I think I – th- I think it's a little presumptuous to put him on the pup list. Why would you put him on the pup list when 12 weeks, you know, is – is before the season still starts. I mean, it's, it's kind of stupid if he actually is back. I mean, he thinks 10 weeks, I get it. It's probably not. But, I mean, I, I think that's it, – there's a, it's a long ways out. I, I feel like uh, – I, 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 I think just automatically presuming he's on – although a lot of times, like you were saying, these push out and, and then they, it does take longer. You've got to ramp up too, you know. This isn't this, – he's not a pitcher. This isn't baseball. <laughs> he runs around and stuff. I mean, I get it. You know, yeah. he doesn't just come out and he's not going to be exactly 100%. I get it, but – I think when they say he's back in that time, it doesn't mean he's like starting to walk. I think it means he's back and ready to go. Back ready to go. Okay. All right. So knowing, so is he a value there at that nine ten turn as wide receiver forty one? Sounds like he is for you. What was the, what was his ADP beforehand? Do you he was going in like the mid six. Yeah. I think that's fine to take him there because at the worst case he's back in week seven, and so let's say there's I would say there's a let's let's be conser- as a conservative person here let's say thirty percent chance he's ready to go in week and he's not not puffed right. Yeah. Radio in week one, two, three, whatever. And so effectively he gets most of the season. Um, and then the other, the, the worst case option, well, a worst case option is week seven. Setback and maybe IR. There's a, yeah, there's a five, five, 10% chance right. that he pulls an AJ Green. But I mean, AJ Green has a contract issue. That's why. He and, and he was, he's much older than Samuel too. Samuel's a very yeah. young man. Very, very true. All right. So the other thing that we should, we should analyze here is how it's going to affect some of the other receivers uh, for the 49ers, starting with Brandon Ayuk. Now, Ayuk was a guy that was it. Well, actually, before we move on to Ayuk, Dave, is there like maybe a week or so buying window for Debo Samuel in dynasty leagues right now where you could lowball an owner that's maybe like had delusions of grandeur wanting to win right now and you might be able to get something? Or is that not worth pursuing? You can just get a shot. I mean, why not? All okay. they can do is say no. Okay. All right. Uh, Ayuk, let's talk about him. Now, this is, by the way, the, the ADP data I'm, I'm getting right here is from FantasyMojo.com. This is the ADP of the three football guys drafts that went off yesterday. Now, granted, this is a super small sample size, but this is everything. All these drafts took place after the Debo Samuel news was announced. Ayuk is actually still going after Debo Samuel. He was wide receiver 50 at the 12.6. Now, based on what you said about Samuel, I don't know if you're necessarily on board with the rookie receiver going off in the mid-12th round right here. Uh, yeah, I, that's where he's going right now. Yes, that's where he went yesterday after the Samuel news. That's still not terribly bad, but it's, a, it, it's fine. I mean, I guess that's fine. I mean, 12th round, it's, you're, getting, you're, getting, you're getting down there a little bit. I think I would take a chance at, at, yeah, at the sure. mid-12th there. All right, So and, and we should bring this up too. This is the other bit of news, Dave. All three drafts, as far as – well, I shouldn't say all three drafts, but George Kittle was the ADP tight end one yesterday. Kittle was going off on average at the 107. Kelsey going off the board and on average at the 108. This is the first time we've seen this this season where Kittle leapfrogged Kelsey. Now, knowing that Samuel, we're not going to see him till 
again, maybe not as uh, not till the start of the regular season. Is this going to hold up? Do you think Kittle's going to end up going consistently over Travis Kelsey? And more importantly, who would you rather have knowing what you know now? Is Kelsey the buy um, because he slipped, or is, is Kittle the guy you got to get? I'd rather have Kelsey myself. So, I mean, I like Kittle quite a bit. But if even, like, again, given the Week 7 situation, he's back and Kittle goes back to being what he was going to be before, which is, you know, 17th or 18th overall pick or something like in that neighborhood. I don't, I don't bump Kittle up all that much. Kern Reva in the chat room tonight, by the way, he also says he still has Kelsey over Kittle. I think that's the way I'm leaning right now um, is, is to take him over George Kittle right now. But, you know, it's one of those things. Ask me tomorrow. I might feel a little bit differently, but I think you're right. I think Kelsey's still the guy. Um, wrap up this discussion here. Any other Niners receivers, and this is probably going to be brief, you like Jalen Hurd late. You like Kendrick Bourne late um, uh, as, as uh, potential flyers, knowing the Samuel injury. I, Jalen Hurd, I, I liked him coming in the last year, and so I think uh, I think yeah, he's worth a flyer for sure. Jalen Hurd uh, went off the board as early as the seventeen oh five yesterday. He had an ADP of the eighteen oh seven. I kind of like Kendrick Bourne actually. Um, he didn't go off the board yesterday at all. Uh, but I think when you talk about reliability and the stuff that he can do and the fact that he's already done it on the NFL level, um, that he can block, um, Jalen Hurd missed all last season. I think he, his ceiling is much higher than Kendrick Bourne's. But at the same time, I think Bourne uh, has more of an opportunity to get out there. If you're shooting for the stars, Hurd is probably the play, and I'll agree with Dave on that. Bourne might be having the higher floor. And I guess if you're, going, if you're drafting that late, you'd want to go with the higher ceiling anyway. Ron Jeremy, which I love your picture in the chat room, mentions Dante Pettis. Oh, the, yeah. The ghost of Dante Pettis. Is he, uh, is he around? Well, you know, that everything I've read about him was that he, was, he, he sort of did not endear himself to the coaching staff last year. And uh, there, I, I think there was an attitude, but it was mostly a work ethic thing. So he's got some work to do. But certainly a pedigree guy, a second-round pick out of Washington. Um, I, I know uh, Tupac is a fan of Dante Pettis for what that's worth. So he know he's not a sheeple pick and maybe Pettis turns something on because he's probably the, the highest drafted of any of these receivers too. Jalen Hurd, I think was a third rounder. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm on board with that late. I think you, we all have to temper expectations a little bit because this isn't a, a team that trusts their running game, trusts their offensive line. You know, they made the big deal for Trent Williams and step in for Joe Staley. Uh, they, they ran rough shot out of it, over the Packers in the NFC championship game. And they still have Raheem Mostert. They still have Tevin Coleman. Um, and who's the other cat? They, they got rid of Brita. There's another running back there that uh, uh, Jerick McKinnon, thank you, is still back there as well. So you know that they'll want to run the ball quite a bit. And if their defense is as good as we think it is, they're probably going to be salting a lot of games away in, in the fourth quarter. So there may not be a whole lot of fantasy goodness with those Niners receivers. Maybe Samuel is the, the current buy at that 9-10 spot. I want to give you props on this next thing, Dave, because this is something that you've been preaching all offseason. TJ Hawkinson um, now has been able to run routes as part of his rehab, but has not completely recovered from that ankle injury he suffered last year. This was according to offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel, as told to MLive.com's Benjamin Raven. Now, the Lions obviously like Hawkinson. They took him super early in the draft last year, first-round pick. Uh, but that ankle injury that he had in November, it ended a pretty disappointing rookie season. You know, after he had that big week one and everybody's like, oh, my goodness, he could be the greatest rookie tight end ever. And he was not. And he was a pretty standard rookie tight end last year. <laughs> um, you do not like Hawkinson at all for Dynasty. I hate him. And I, I own him in one league. And you weren't able to unload him? Uh, 
I mean, you, you know, didn't I, try? I, I have a job. I have okay, a I get it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I have a life, man. Right, I get it. Redraft leagues? Uh, any? I don't. I mean, I don't hate them, but I, I don't. I feel like when you had a bad rookie year, like you did, that it just it does not bode well for you for your career. I mean, it really doesn't. I think no. I like Noah Fant a lot more at this point. T.J. Hawkinson going off the board at tight end 15 at the 904, right behind Fant and Gronkowski, right ahead of Dallas Goddard and Janu Smith. Here's my issue with it. Uh, uh, God, I can't remember who the other player was, but he was, you know, when I hear these reports of these guys still rehabbing injuries from last year, it, it sets off red flags for me. It sets it's, off alarms. It's scary. It's, yeah. Yeah, you should be scared to be drafting where he's being drafted, I think. I agree. God, I, I would much have rather have Goddard. I'd rather I'd rather have Johnu Smith as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and then you're going further down. We got a question about tight ends later on. I'd, be so willing, I'd actually be willing to put five on it that Dawson Knox is a better year than Hawkinson. And ha- and I don't know where Dawson Knox is going, but he's probably going like three four rounds later. Uh, he's going much later than that, I think. I'm gonna look That's it up right, right Balky. I'm fifteen oh two is tight end. Oh, I'm going into it. All right. Okay. <laughs> here's the thing. I want, and I want before we make this wager, I want to make this absolutely clear. I am with Dave. I do not like Hawkinson this year. But it's, it's a, that's an ADP wager right there. I also am with Dave <laughs> in that I like Dawson Knox this year. <laughs> I do not like Dawson Knox enough to not make this wager. All right. Most FFPC points in 2020, I have TJ Hawkinson. I'll take Dawson Knox. How much you got on it? I got five. No I answer. got five on it. Bet, 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 bet. We're going to see our buddy Leroy tomorrow. Yep. So ready for some, we got some bets tonight. For the, for yeah, there could be some fantasy football uh, talk flying around uh, tomorrow as as well as we get together with uh, former Kentucky champ Kurt, um, the real Leroy and Tupacker. This is going to be uh, very exciting. Not as exciting. I'm sure. As, I'm sure a server is going to love it. But we get that if we get that cool guy from Miami, he'll at least pretend to love it. <laughs> That, that's what I'm excited for. All right, in any event, I'm excited for our uh, next portion of the show here. I want to bring in tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. He is a seven-time winner, a medal winner in the Football Guys Players Championship, also a highly active owner in FFPC Dynasty Leagues as well as main event leagues. Uh, he joins the show tonight to break down a few of his 2020 Football Guys drafts. Please welcome into the show Mr. Dominic Rohde. Dominic, thanks for hanging out with us tonight, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I, uh, I'm very excited to have you. I, I, did I pull you away from any drafts tonight? I hope I didn't do that. <laughs> I'm actually on the clock as we speak in the ninth round on a slow uh, football guys draft, so I will be making a pick here as we talk through. i, I got to decide between Goddard or Janu right now uh, for my next pick. So I'll, uh, hopefully you guys can help me come to that decision. <laughs> well, do you, make the, do you want to make the pick live right now? We can, we can make the pick sure. live right now yeah. if you're ready, Dominic. Okay. All right, so we were yeah, just talking we about this. Make a live pick in a slow draft. Yeah, this, is on the air. this has never happened. This is HSFF hour history. So when you're deciding between Dallas Goddard and John o. Smith, we just said we like him. We like both those guys better than TJ Hawkinson, Dave. But when it comes down to it, in a football guy slow draft, who are you taking? Are you taking Goddard over John o. Smith, or are you taking Smith over Goddard? Myself, I am probably taking Goddard. I would, and, and this is going to make for great radio. I'm going to take Smith instead of uh, Dallas Goddard. Ooh. So we, we are split 1-1 here, Dominic. Uh, your thoughts on, on what you're basing this pick on right here? 
Yeah, so I guess to me, you know, I like Goddard. I mean, they both have the same upside. I think Goddard with Jeffrey's um, situation maybe not being ready right away. For the year, I feel like he is their wide receiver, too, with Earth as their wide receiver one until Rhaegar gets going. But who knows with the way they're training now with all the stuff going on in the world, um, you know, how that's going to look. So um, I feel like Goddard's going to be red zone heavy. He's going to get more receptions this year. Um, than he did last year, those two for 17, you know, weeks. Um, I think they're going to be more like five for 50s. And if you get the touchdown in there, um, John, who's got the whole thing to himself, they don't pass as much, but he is definitely their big red zone target with A.J. Brown. So um, I think John, who might come back to me. So maybe I'm going to take Goddard. I'll go with Dave here and take Goddard now just because I'll get greedy and see if John, who comes back. But I do like both of them in, in the same range. I don't think they can go wrong either way. Good choice. Yeah. You, well, you made the right choice. Good job, buddy. And the other, the other thing to keep in mind, versus, and, and this is something when Delaney Walker went down, um, was it last year? I think it was two years ago. He went down, and he was being heavily used in that Titans offense. And granted, this was with Mariota and not Tannehill. Um, but I remember I picked up John Smith in a bunch of leagues because I had some elite tight end was on by that week. And I'm like, oh, I got Smith. This is going to be great. And he put up a bagel. Zero. It was bad. It was really, really bad. And yeah, he gets those. I know. I know at least Goddard is going to get a red zone look or two in every Philly game. So you got that going. So I'm not saying John who will, but I mean, I don't know. I just love Goddard all around the board. So, Well, here we are five minutes into this interview, Dominic. We've, we've made, we helped you make a pick in a football guy's slow draft. <laughs> we haven't even asked you the, the question we ask everybody. Right. Well, we just wanted exactly. to know what kind of work now, you're, right? you're doing for a living note, right now. George Costanza, right? Like George Costanza leaving on a high note. We made a pick and I'm, <laughs> That's it for me, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks for coming on the show. That's a time league winner. That's right. And don't you forget it. <laughs> so, Dominic, um, when you uh, – I know you, you uh, ha- obviously have the time to do the football guys' slow drafts. You have time to do the football guys' live drafts. Obviously, whatever type of work you're in, it allows you for uh, a lot of recreational time to draft, Right. Yeah, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough. My wife also doesn't kill me for, you know, doing drafts while we're trying to put my son and daughter to sleep. But uh, I'm able to get in. I'm a financial advisor. So I've been, you know, pretty much, watched, you know, from March 13th working at home and doing Zoom meetings. So it's actually, you know, been pretty much make your own schedule, um, which is nice. And, you know, it's uh, get to be able to sneak these drafts in. Can't go anywhere. Can't do anything in Chicago. So we just, uh, you know. Just keep drafting, right? <laughs> Try some new things out on uh, on the 350s because it's all about that 500K. That's right. So, so you said, I'm sorry, I, I, you cut it off for a second. Financial advisor, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. So a financial advisor, I do financial planning, um, investment strategies, estate planning, um, you know, the whole nine for, for clients in the Chicagoland area. So I've kind of asked this kind of before. We've had a couple different financial advisors on. You're kind of like an amateur site. Maybe not amateur, but you're kind of like a psychologist really most of the time where it's like, for God's sakes, don't take your money out of the market now because it's the worst time to do it. Is that, is that, you know, half the calls you have? You get the reality when you go through what March we just went through in the market <laughs> when everything was pretty much world was ending. Uh, you had some interesting calls, but most of my clients have been pretty good. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a good base and, uh, you do the psychology yeah. part, but uh, for the, you know, it, it, it was better than expected given the circumstances we were in for about a month, especially. So, yeah, it was, it was so fast down that it was fast coming back up that if you just, you know, didn't watch the, the nightly news, you were probably okay. So I think that that's probably part of it. 
Um, okay, here's a fi- I have a fantasy question finally here. So, <laughs> sure. so you got Leonard Fournette at the 304 in a recent football guys draft. Do you think FFPC owners, I mean, he had a good year last year, even though, I, mean, I don't know, I, 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 I didn't own him very much, but I mean, it seemed like it was fine to me and he scored plenty of points. Um, are FFPC owners sleeping on him this season? Yeah, I mean, I think to a degree, because you group him in with Gurley, Gordon, Connor, I think in that third round range, and maybe Jonathan Taylor to some degree, but we don't know what that looks like yet. But those four, uh, plus David Johnson, maybe after, um, you know they're going to at least start off as a workload, right? Um, I, I don't think, you know, out of all of them, um, Gurley and Fournette tend to have the least amount of competition. Uh, you know, I think Chris Thompson's a joke. Like, don't get me wrong. He's never been injured. He's, he's always been injured every year. So it's like, why am I going to believe he's going to be healthy for 16 games? Um, so I know that's a concern, right, for people taking away pass catches and things of that nature. But Fournette had two touchdowns last year. So you got to figure with the offensive Minshew better, with DJ Shark emerging, you feel like more red zone opportunities. Fournette should, I would hope, get into the end zone more along with even 80% of the, you know, catch rate production. Um, even if it's a little less, hopefully more yards, hopefully more big runs. Um, you know, I do, I do like him. I, I think they're the same risk in that group area. There's a lot of question marks, but a lot of upside. So um, when you need a running back, especially if you don't start off running back, running back, I think he's an okay one to kind of start off before you start taking tickets later. Yeah, he had a massive season last year, too, and obviously he's in for some positive touchdown regression, so you'd like to think that as good as he was last year, he could be even maybe a little bit better this year. We'll see. Um, I want to talk to you about the receivers here because this is a draft uh, or, or, you know, a, a fantasy season, Dominic. So many fantasy drafters are talking up a deep wide receiver position, heading, um, you know, trying to get running backs early. I, I just want to get your take on one of the football guys' drafts. You recently started off with Michael Thomas, and then you took DeAndre Hopkins in the second round. Wide receiver, wide receiver. Can you yep. kind of take us through that process of why you started that draft off like that? Yeah, so, I mean, I've done the heavy green, which we'll talk about, and everyone, you know, it seems to be the easy path to go this year, at least the kind of safest path, right, going green, you know, running back, running back in the beginning. Um, but we saw last year what happened with the team that won the 500,000, um, or the 250, whatever the, the first prize was at the, uh, last year. It was, it was Thomas and Julio, right? So when you do enough of these, um, you want to mix and match how he's starting roster construct. So getting Thomas where I got him and then being able to get Hopkins there, even though he's going to a new team, I had to take the shot and, you know, essentially build around that core, knowing that those are going to be my locked-in wide receiver one and twos um, every week, and I don't have to play roulette with the wide receiver two position. And then that's where I took Fournette and, and Swift and trying to build your running backs that way, um, you know, because if they hit, then you're in a really good spot and a real advantage, especially headed into hopefully the playoffs week 14 through 16. Well, it's all about high upside. I like that too. Um, one, you know, one of the things that we have talked about – uh, on this show has been backfields. We, I think we've talked about the Lions' backfield to death. We've talked about the Bills' backfield. Dave, one of the backfields that we really haven't talked about, and I think we should ask Dominic about, is uh, this interesting one that's going on in Los Angeles with the Chargers right now. Yeah, I, I actually am I'm really curious to hear your take, and we haven't talked so much about this, which is weird because we usually talk about the same, like, six topics, you know, <laughs> 17, <laughs> several times on the same show. Yeah, uh, Austin Eckler, sure. Justin Jackson, and Josh Kelly, the, the rookie. Uh how do you see the Chargers dividing up the backfield carries between those three? Uh, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. 
Yeah, so I think for me, Justin Jackson's out, right? I, I just think from his performance, he had a chance last year to kind of seize what Melvin Gordon's, you know, leash touches would have been in the first, you know, um, half of the season and really dropped the ball with it, right? Eckler kind of took the reins there. So we know Eckler's good. We know he's going to continue to get the first looks, uh, but I really like Kelly. I think Kelly um, was really good at UCLA. I think they know Eckler from he's more productive in lesser like he gets more big bangs and lesser snaps right so they don't want to be rolling them out there you know you know and you know christian mccaffrey type style and maybe you know maybe they end up doing it but i think kelly's going to carve himself out a role that's only going to increase throughout the year and you know in the round 11 12 13 range um i'm targeting him and trying to get him in every draft um i think him and antonio gibson are my two i want you know if i can leave the draft with them especially if i go receivers early they're my zero RB targets for sure. Yeah, Gibson's probably another guy we'll get into later on in the show. Dominic Rohde, a seven-time Football Guys Players Championship medal winner, joining the HSFF Hour tonight. Keeping it on the running back tip here, Dominic. Um, another uh, backfield that um, I'm intrigued in with one of these guys, not necessarily the other one. What's your take on, on Matt Breida and Jordan Howard? Is stacking both those Dolphins running backs a good idea in FPC dress, or are you just more likely willing to take a shot on one and not the other? Yeah, so I stacked in one of mine when I needed when I went more wide receiver heavy with Delvin Cook, which you know that's a whole other thing now. But um, I've been taking Howard pretty much in the same realm um, as I've been doing Kelly and Gibson. Um, I prefer him over Brita. I know Howard has done it before on the Bears. Um, granted it was a rookie season, but even on Philly last year, before he was out, he was productive. Um, Brita has big hits. I understand. I see people, I, I see well-respected players that uh, do a lot of drafts, take them, you know, earlier and they take, they, they target him. Um, I just prefer Howard in the 10th and 11th. And, and that's kind of where he's living. And I just think he's going to be this first and second down back. And he's going to get, you know, if they, especially with Tua, if he's going to get, uh, you know, I think 200 plus carries if he stays healthy. And I'd rather have that if I'm going zero RB or just need a flex running back to make sure I'm covered. I'd rather have Jordan Howard than Breida. Yeah, one of the other things to keep in mind, too, as much as we like Matt Breida and, and what he did in San Francisco, bear in mind, too, that he was dinged up quite a bit and was you know, always yep. a friend of the training room, and, and that's something that I think we'll have to keep in mind. You may not like Jordan Howard, um, but when you get a volume guy like that that late, Dave, it would certainly make some sense. Speaking of volume guys in the Washington passing offense, yeah, so how uh, I'm trying to think of who else who else is there. Okay, so we Matt have Matt Doxon. He's gone. We have Jeremy Sprinkle <laughs> yeah. at tight end. Well, Antonio Gibson, who we just talked about, who sort of be like a running back, wide receiver hybrid Look, type. He's not yes, a receiver. Well, I'm just saying, like position. His position wise. is a running back. Look, as the commissioner of these drafts, don't even bring up the wide right, receiver thing, right. idiot. I'll bite my tongue on that one, ladies and gentlemen. All right, all right. Hang on, let me calm down. Yeah, we want to leave him as a running back. We want to leave him as a running All right. back. Let's not, let's not get right. into here. <laughs> I don't want any emails. If I get an email, sorry. So Terry I'll Mc, answer it. If you Terry get McLaurin, what are the odds me. that uh, Terry McLaurin becomes a top 15 wideout this season? I mean, it'll be cl- I th- he can do it for sure. Um, I think he'll be close. Um, I just drafted him as my one where I went running back heavy. Um, he, you know, he's very consistent. Uh, contested catch rate, he's, you know, top there. Um, you know, he's got Haskins, which is a downturn, right? You, you get worried about that. But like you guys were talking about when you're figuring out who's there, 
who's there, right? You got, you got Sims, you got uh, Harmon, and then, you know, it's really not much else um, outside the running backs. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I look, I, I think his target share is going to be 25% plus he's going to get fed from Haskins. Um, I, you know, he's going to continue to pepper him. He did well the second half of the season with Haskins. So it's not like he got a drop off. I would hope Haskins is a little bit better. He gets a little bit better. Terry's good enough to win contested balls, especially jump balls. If um, you know Haskins miss throws, um, I, I think he can easily be not only top fifteen. I think he could be top ten. He, he really could. I, I think he's got the talent. He's Michael Junior. Michael, excuse me, Michael Thomas Junior. And I do think um, I, I think he's going to be a stud in this league. You know whether it happens all the way this year or not. You know will remain to be seen. But these receivers are breaking out faster than ever before. So. Hey, Dominic, did you did you snatch up McLaurin in any uh, you know for cheap last year in any dynasty leagues as a rookie like you know before he kind of broke out? We did, yeah. So me and my nice. uh, my my partner Brandon, yeah, he was uh, he was on him early uh, before even I even really knew about him. He was snapping him up in every league you know that he could. So um, that's yeah, awesome. we got we got some shares for feels, sure. Feel, that feels pretty good, right? When you when you out you know. So what, where'd you guys where, where were you taking in, in FFPC rookies like fourth round like in that range? Third, fourth? Uh, yeah, third, fourth. Um, you know, he was in that range. And we, I think we got him on a waiver on one league, too. I don't even know. <laughs> I think he was dropped and we picked him up. Yeah. So, it oh, was uh, – yeah, we just targeted him. We picked him up and, yeah, worked out so far. <laughs> oh, that's great. And if you want to pick up players like Terry McLaurin on waivers and Dynasty Leagues, check out the Dynasty Leagues at myffpc.com. <laughs> Startup's going off right now. Make sure you check it out. And you can uh, do just like Dominic has here – and get a guy like McLaurin on waivers. Dave? Well, you know, one of the last questions I'm going to ask you for your, you know, I mean, rookie drafts are done for most people, but right. not everybody. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll try and I have three rookie drafts left. No, four. I have four. No, I have three. Because you're in Kentucky, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I have one rookie draft left. Why and, hasn't it started yet? Because the commissioner imposed, like, I, I don't know. He's like, oh, we're changing the rookie draft till August because – it, you know, more information is available. Oh, then. It's like, take. All right. So okay. whatever. All right. So to, to kind of answer the rhetorical question before who else is in Washington, besides the guys you already mentioned, um, the only other one I'll, I'll say is Antonio Gandy golden, who obviously has a shot at being like a, a number one type receiver, maybe a number two in Washington, but it's not going to happen this year. And, and Dominic, I, I totally agree with you sure. on the target share. I think with, with McLaurin, it's going to be 25-plus, maybe 30%. That's going to make him a volume guy. And Washington's not a great team, so they should be peppering him early and often. Um, okay, let's shift. We're talking about receivers here, Dominic. Let's talk about running backs. Um, in your draft so far, the football guys' draft so far this season, have you loaded up to start off your drafts with three running backs, four running backs? Often, has it been once in a while? How have you sort of utilized that strategy in your drafts? Yeah, so the one I just just that I'm in now, I started off four running backs. I started off uh, Kamara, Jones, Gurley, David Johnson, and just to, just to do it that way. Um, I've done I think I think three of them total with this one has been running back heavy out of the the eight that I've done so far. So you know, a good percentage right on on past you know on track to do. I I think it's just so easy to start off running back, especially if you're at the top of the draft. If you get one of you know, Zeke, McCaffrey, Barkley, or even, you know, you get um, Henry, Sanders, Mix, like any of those guys, Camara, like you can build it in the second round and the third round and then just hammer the receivers, you know, four through seven. 
Um, I just think a lot of people are doing it. I think that's uh, going to be a popular play is the heavy running backs um, because it's just e- it's easier to build and you know you need to have some exposure to it. Um, so that's why I'm definitely going to keep doing it. So Dominic, let me ask you this: If you think uh, uh, there's going to be a good amount of people doing it, it, is the value still in in trying to to do that as well to get these running backs early, or would you rather zag when everybody else is zigging? And, and do maybe a, a couple of zero RBs. How do you fall in on that? Yeah, so I've done it, right? I mean, it just depends on the volume you're doing, right? If you're doing one of these contests or two of these contests, you know, it's a little – not saying you can't do it, right? That's a total zag, but it's all about percentages of your team, right? So, I mean, for me, I don't feel comfortable zagging if I'm doing 10 of them. I, you know, draft, I don't want to zag on all 10, right? I need, you need to have some exposure – to that kind of construction, because if you're wrong and it is the right way, then you're screwed. Right. So you want to make sure that, um, you know, it depends on the amount of teams, depends how comfortable you are. Zagging is fun. It is, you know, because it looks <laughs> nice having those stud receivers, especially I did four in a row on one of mine and it gets really, t- I'll tell you, it doesn't feel as great when you're in around seven through 11, trying to piece together running backs. So, you know, Enter at your own risk, but it's, uh, it could definitely pay off if you do hit on those late ones. I just think you need to have a mixture of both combos. Let me, uh, Dominic, let me fire a, a question from the chat. Uh, Wasp guy wants to know who your favorite uh, last round pick in redraft is. And, and I guess if it's a kicker, you can just tell us uh, uh, your 19th round. And if that's a defense, you can just tell us your favorite 18th round pick. But basically, your last skill position pick. Uh, in redraft, who's been your favorite thus far? So I've been taking them in every one. Um, for the, I think one I haven't, but Brian Edwards for um, oh. the, the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, so coming off an injury, he should be good to go. I think, I, I don't know, I just think he's the most talented one out of whatever they have there, even with rugs. Um, I think he's going to step in. Big body, slack guy. He's, he's, he was really good in college until that injury happened, so – um, I, you know, we'll see again, it's worst case scenario. He doesn't get back on the field and I drop him and I use him as a waiver, but, um, I definitely will hold him for at least four to five weeks to see how that shakes out. Because I do think he's got a lot of, um, upside potential on that, on that offense with not a lot of competition. Very nice. I'm loving him in dynasty too. I'll tell you the that. Chat room likes that short. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, okay, we're just real quick. We already talked about Debo Samuel once. Why not bring him up again? Well, we got to get Dominic's. We got to get the he's thoughts in, of the people here. He's going to miss the next three or four months, evidently. It's 12 weeks until the season starts. How far are you moving mm-hmm. Debo down on your draft board? Undraftable. Not drafting him. He's out. Simple as that. Wow. Can't touch him. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. That's no, good. thank you. Okay, is it just yeah. because you don't want to draft a player that's going to be essentially coming into the season? either without a preseason or, or hurt, is, is that what it is? Or why is he undraftable for you? Um, so if you recall, I think sometimes we forget history of players with these foot injuries. They are brutal, and they re-injure him, especially if he gets rushed back, like they're talking he wants to get back. If he's back by, let's say, best-case scenario, he's back first week in October, right? He gets on the field. He has a good game, maybe. Um, he has to work himself in the conditioning. He hurts his foot again. Now he's out for the year, right? That's scenario one. Scenario two is he never comes back, right? Because either they sign a receiver like Antonio Brown, which we've heard the rumors of, of whispers. We'll see whatever that comes up. Or my sleeper of that is Des Bryant, that I feel like he's got a chance (laughs) to get signed by the Niners. But I just don't – I don't see it. 
I don't see it. He, you know, he gets a lot of his points on running. He was a, he's a stud. I think he's going to be a great dynasty by low, especially if you can get him. But he, I do not see him in a meaningful way stepping back on the field this year and not re-injuring himself or making it through the full year if he does. Okay, so the follow-up to that, Dominic, is obviously if you don't like uh, Debo Samuel, that's fine. But who, who are you bumping up for the Niners pass catchers then? Is it simply just Kittle's going to be a monster, or is there some value in one of the other receivers there? Yeah, so I think Kittle, we saw, I think, I think you guys probably saw last night, he went 1-7 in a draft I saw on Mojo. Uh, so, you know, people are moving him up. Uh, the rookie, um, Brandon Ayuki, I think is how you uh, pronounce it. Um, he's going to be shooting up. He's going to be in double-digit rounds. He'll probably be in round nine before this, you know, once we hear, you know, whispers of how his training videos are going on Twitter, I'm sure he'll shoot up in the single digits. But Kendrick Bourne is interesting, right? I mean, Kendrick Bourne, he gets targeted in the red zone. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, he's not a heavy target guy. Um, he, he does his job. He does it well, but they use him in scoring situations. So maybe to get him a little more involved in the passing game throughout the drives instead of just the red zone. And he actually gets a five for 50 with a touchdown. I just don't think this team's going to be pass heavy. I think it's Kittle and everyone else kind of has their moments and then they just rely on, you know, um, the, the stud running game and, and kind of go from there. Dominic, let's get to some emails here that came in from listeners. This is a good one for you to kick things off about the Bears. This is from Bill in Centennial, Colorado. Bill with one L, by the way. Interesting. Hi, Dominic. How much, if at all, does Chicago's quarterback choice change Allen Robinson's value? Good luck this season. Thank you for the email, Bill in Centennial, Colorado. So I don't know if this makes a difference to you at all. But with, uh, with Allen Robinson, that, does it change if Nick Foles is throwing to him or if Trubisky's throwing to him? How do you fall in on this? They really like to rub it in from because I'm from Chicago and I have to deal with the Mitch Trubisky debacle, you know, for Watson and Mahomes. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta feed in this question. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, they brought Foles in. I, I'm holding on to one last hope that they're using it to motivate Trubisky. I mean, the coaches love Foles. I don't see how Foles doesn't start. Um, I think either one is still Allen Robinson's a third rounder. I think he's a stud. I think he, you know, that's one of the guys, again, it took a year to recover from an injury, but once he did, he's, he's a stud, right? So um, I don't think either way really matters. I would still take Allen Robinson no matter who the quarterback is because um, we might see both of them this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Anything goes in Chicago with the, with the Bears and, you know, their, uh, their personnel. So we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, take Robinson. Don't sweat it. He's going to be a stud one way or the other. Dave, a couple of good uh, team names in that answer there. The Mitch Trubisky debacle and anything goes in Chicago. I think those are both solid team names. Oh, wonderful. Sure. Uh, Alan, <laughs> Alan Robinson, by the way, as Dominic pointed out so astutely, he is going as the 307 on average um, right now, wide receiver 10 right behind Kenny Galladay and Odell Beckham right ahead of DJ Moore and Amari Cooper. One of the positions we don't talk about on this show is quarterbacks, but Anthony in San Francisco is changing that right now. He writes, Hey, Dominic, with so many teams waiting on quarterbacks to super deep levels again this year, does it make sense to try and gain an advantage by drafting Jackson or Mahomes early? Thank you, Anthony in San Francisco. Dominic, quite frankly, I don't know if you've drafted either of those guys early. Um, what, do you believe that there's an advantage there, or are you still waiting? So, funny thing, we just need Jerry Kaforski and Frank Slad, both players. We all played it, you know, together, Team Lombard. We've, you guys seen us before at the main events. We just had this discussion in one of Frank's drafts where it was Lamar Jackson at 3-9, and it's like, how do you not take him there, um, you know, if you want to take a quarterback early? 
I'm so vehemently against taking a quarterback early, but even I was second-guessing myself and saying, well, it's 3-9. I mean, Jackson is a stud. Um, I can't see the advantage. I, I just don't like it. I feel dirty taking it, it's, but it, I can see where it works. I've seen teams, um, even Frank's team, was, it worked out that way. Um, I'm just taking Daniel Jones, round 13, every time. I want no one else. Just give me him, and I'll, be, I'll sleep like a baby, and that's it. <laughs> All right, it's in the main event draft. It's pick four eleven. Lamar Jackson's on the uh, available. Oh. <laughs> four eleven. On t- you got me there, Dave. I think I four eleven. <laughs> I think I'm taking it. Four eleven. It's already. I'm already guessing in that area. I mean, that's value yeah. enough. I don't think he'll make it to four eleven. Four two would be a four two or four three is interesting too. It's you know, do you take one of those receivers or do you just take a? <laughs> So I mean, that's the Cam Akers range is the 411 I mean, spot. Think about that draft. Like, <laughs> yeah. you could have Barkley, Godwin, and then, like, you know, like, let's say um, Mark Andrews, and then come back with Lamar Jackson at the 411. The rainbow yeah. draft. That would be quite yeah, the rainbow. That would be a rainbow. Rainbow. The rainbow. Going early quarterback and early tight end, but nobody would fault you for it because you're getting a hookup and you're getting Lamar Jackson. That would be one hell of a unique roster. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I, will, I, will say this, I will say this last point to that. At least you know, unless there's an injury, Mahomes or Lamar Jackson are not busting for you. You can still bust with someone else in the third round, right? You're not busting with those two quarterbacks. So at least you know that going as a safety net to do it, you know? So. All right. This is our, one of our funnerest questions. Oh, good uh, work. Thank you. Who is a player you've been avoiding in draft so far this year and a player you've been targeting in the mid to later rounds? And unfortunately for you, since you play redraft and dynasty, I would like an answer for both. And I would also if you, have, you know, if you don't have one right offhand, I mean that's fine. But you know, I, you might have it. And, and you could, on your feet here. You cannot use the words Brian or Edwards in this response. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, avoiding Mike Williams, I want no part of him. I get the upside. I hate him. He cost me four thousand dollars in a main event last year. I don't want any part of him. No, so I don't think with Tyrod Taylor. He, yeah, I can't do it. He just. I don't think with Tyrod Taylor, it's gonna be check down city there. I just. He'll have one or two good games. I don't know. He just doesn't excite me at all. And I know people like taking him, you know, early 10, sometimes even earlier, um, but no thanks. Um, who I'm targeting, Antonio Gibson, obviously. That's one of them. Um, uh, you know, before the, um, you know, before the issues, Len, Len Bowden was another guy I was targeting around 15, 16. I think he was a great, you know, he could still be great handcuff for Jacobs. Um, but one of the guys I think everyone's there's no surprise is uh, Justin Jefferson. I think he's sliding right into, I think he's going to be the rookie receiver. Him and Rhaegar have the chance. I think Justin Jefferson is really good. And I think he's going to put up some fantasy numbers this year for people. And I think he's going to have some really good games um, in that offense. And he's going to be having a roll carved off right away. Um, you know, I, I just think he's going to do well up, up there in the dome. So <laughs> No Stephon Diggs. Potentially no Dalvin Cook. We'll see. And we just found out that Jefferson is going to be play primarily on the inside, which is what he did at LSU, uh, and got all that fantasy goodness from Joe Burrow, too. So something to be paying attention to there. We're always paying attention to whatever Dominic Rohde says, given his success as a seven-time medal winner in the Football Guys Players Championship. Dominic, can't thank you enough for hopping aboard this week. Good luck in all your drafts uh, the rest of the way, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon, and hopefully we'll see you uh, out in Vegas, too. Hey, well, anything can happen, we'll see. I'll be doing main events this year, and I'll be looking for Lamar Jackson now at 411. You promised me, Dave, so I'm going to wait to see it. Uh, oh, he, thank I, you guys I, for having me. He thinks that they're in one league. 
You'll make it there on Monday, buddy. Make sure he gets there for me when I'm, when I'm live, okay? I'm going to be tapping you on the shoulder because <laughs> it's a verbal contract <laughs> now. So. All right. Th- thank, you. thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks, right, Dominic. Thanks. Take care. By the way, follow Dominic on Twitter at FFPCDR313. Uh, seven-time champ in the Football Guys Players Championship. I don't, I don't mean this as a, as a bad um, or as a slight to any of our guests from the Chicagoland area. Don't they have a specific way of talking? I love it, actually. It, I, and, uh, yeah, that's why I say I don't mean it in a bad way because it's so engaging. Yeah. Just, just, Unlike people from Wisconsin, it just sounds stupid. <laughs> well, there's something to be said for that. Did you see that comment from, from the prognosticator tonight about how I need to get a, what did he say, a vocal coach? Uh, yeah, I saw that yeah, in our Slack, private Slack chat. I yeah. mean, you know, I gave Alex some props earlier, but, I mean, it's not like this guy's without an accent himself. <laughs> well, you know, Dave, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, I mean, he, he did spend his first 10 years in Russia, for God's sake. So, I mean, oh, really? He yeah. lived in Russia that long? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he, you know what? Unlike some people, he actually values the freedom that America grants you. <laughs> oh, that's God. A, that's a, a freaking oh, – that's a serious – statement right there no but in any event like i just i i don't there's something so engaging about uh like i just want to keep talking to guys at the chicago act you know we bring up well, joe, fun. Yeah. joe del zanero a lot yeah, I mean, yeah. um don matter is a guy that i love talking to as well um it, well, all keep these... in mind joe del zanero and dominic Rodi have two things we have one thing in common yeah a vowel for their last <laughs> name maybe just like italian <laughs> yeah i well, love italian yeah. people i mean italian people are fun right it's like they, they you know, it's like you go to an Italian restaurant. What do you have? You have red wine. You have, you have fat, carby food. Yeah. It's like a robust life. I feel it like Italians live a robust life. Well, don't they, don't they sleep is in? Is that positive racism? I'm not no, sure. No, no, no. Don't they... I don't think Italians get no. racist issues anymore. I, so no, but it's like seriously speaking, don't they sleep in, work a few hours, and then they like take like the afternoon off, and then they'll that's work? That's siesta. No, 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 no. And then they'll, then they'll work like. I think like... that's all of Europe. Oh, all of Europe does this? They yeah. work till like seven or eight at night and then they just party all night? Yeah. And then that's much. why they always sleep in? Correct, yeah. I know that the Liechtensteinians are famous for this. Dave. Well, which of the, I think it's mostly Southern Europe because the Germans work really hard on a time, like, timely manner. English people do the same. But like you know, Italy and Spain and, and Greece, Malta, yeah. they're all supposedly really lazy down there because it's so hot. Greece, I've heard. You know, this is the second conversation about Malta I've had today. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I was talking with um with our good buddy uh our mutual friend Troublemaker El Grande, yeah. and we were talking because he he's a big poker player, and he was telling me where the poker rooms are open and where they're not. Like Malta? Venetian has their poker room open, Bellagio has their poker room open. He says they're playing five handed at the Venetian. He's like, I got to get out there. The action has got to be incredible. I bet yeah. Five handed poker. Um, but yeah, then we because he's got an app that tells you where all the poker rooms and all the casinos where where they're open, and he's like. They're crushing it in Malta right now. I don't even know where that is. And I had to think about it. I'm like, yeah, I think it's in the Mediterranean. But I, yeah, is it an island? Yeah, it's an island country that is north of Libya, east of Tunisia, and south of Italy is what, is what we found out. I mean, out of those four countries you mentioned, I would only go to two of them. Italy and Malta. Italy and Malta. I'm not yeah, going to Tunisia, and I'm not going I'm to... Not, I like the dude. If I ever go There's to Libya... There's too many fraud checks in Tunisia. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's get into – I don't want to get to emails quite yet because there's a couple of things I want to hit on before we get to that that were in the news this week. Um, the Charlotte Observer, Dave, I know you're a subscriber. They had a story this week from uh, – Pan- Reggie Bonifant? No, not about – who is the handcuff for you in, in Carolina? Serious question. Is it Bonifant? Is it Mike Davis? I don't even know who else there. Oh, Mike Davis. Mike Davis is there, yeah. I mean, it, oh, okay. Bonifant so I, had an 80-yard touchdown last year. So I guess the answer is you're not – if you get McCaffrey, you're just – 
shining on the whole I would, backup. Well, what I would do is, what I would do is, I would look. Um, it's, you know, it's obviously around 26 in a best ball. I go to footballguys.com and I look at their click on their depth charts, and I see McCaffrey first, and then I see Bonifant listed second. I'm like, oh, this guy's still available, and he's supposed to be the handcuff, so I'll take him. All right, so that's who that's who it would be in the 20th. You take Bonifant if you get McCaffrey at the 101. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. What? Uh, am I in a private dynasty league? Yes, oh, you are. Which one? Gridiron Legend. Oh, great. Yeah, okay, that's sorry. what Kern Reeve was asking what happened to Lance, and I said he's in a dynasty league with, with you he and I. He comes to Vegas every year. Yeah, he'll be out there for sure. Probably. Um, if he can get out of the dispensary in time. Um, okay, so let's talk about this uh, report from the Charlotte Observer here, Dave. Uh, Joe Brady, who's the new offensive coordinator under Matt Rule, says Curtis Samuel is going to be, quote, critical to success for the Panthers' offense. Quote, Curtis is a playmaker. He fits the mold of what we're looking for in this type of offense, a guy that you can utilize all around the field and get the ball in hands and good things happen. All right, so last year, Samuel had nine carries uh, and 11 catches um, after Scott Turner, who's North Turner's son, uh, took over the play calling duties there. And it sounds like Joe Brady wants to utilize him and, you know, get him involved. Whether is Scott it's, Turner still the offensive coordinator? No, uh, Joe Brady is now. Yeah, okay. Right. Dang it, that sucks. Uh, well, I mean, Joe Brady's talking him up, though, too. No, I'm actually thinking about McCaffrey because North Turner always oh, utilizes yeah. one running back into, into the turf. Dude, so. McCaffrey's good. I mean, he's, he's the, the slam dunk 101. I don't think there's much That's analysis. Okay, anyway, back to... All right, Daniel. there's still Robbie Anderson. There's still DJ Moore, the aforementioned Christian McCaffrey, Ian Thomas there. Curtis Samuel right now in football guys leagues, Dave, has an ADP of 1411 as wide receiver 62. Now, I know that doesn't seem like much there. Um would you be looking at him at all this year? I think between the two of us, you have always been the guy who has defended Curtis Samuel and liked him more. I don't, I've never particularly cared for him, but can you sell me on Curtis Samuel this year? It's a little, it's a little tough to sell you on him. um, He had, he had a high phenom score coming into the NFL. So he was a good prospect. Uh, The problem for me is, is target share, market share, whatever you call it. Yeah. Caffrey's going to get so much DJ Moore. I mean, McCaffrey and DJ Moore are both like superstar. I mean, I mean, really, truly. McCaffrey super, and Moore, yeah. Yeah, superstar yeah. caliber players. I mean, they should really command a ton of targets. Ian Thomas is pretty, is seemingly pretty solid, and Robbie Anderson was a legitimate player. I mean, granted, he would probably run a, ran a bunch of nine routes in the, for the Jets, and I'm not sure if he's going to do anything else here. That might be it. He might just throw all the nine routes. He might yeah. you know, get 35 catches for whatever. Um, you know, Samuel's a talent. I would actually, I would look. Where is it? The 14th. 14th. I've seen him in basketball drafts going way, way, way later. I mean, yeah. we're talking like the 20th, 20th. You know, because then you have to factor in kickers and defenses. Maybe not the 20th, but like the 18th, 19th. Um, so I, I think Samuel in basketball is better than in a redraft. I, I think that's where I'd be looking at him. Just for football guys, players championship purposes, he is going right behind Alshon Jeffrey and his real-life teammate Robbie Anderson, and he is going right in front of Nikhil Harry, uh, T. Higgins, and Golden Tate. One thing I would do is if I did draft – DJ Moore, I think Samuel is actually a legitimately decent oh, caliber uh, yeah. handcuff, a wide receiver handcuff, which you don't see often. No. Because he's super cheap. And DJ Moore, you know, he spent a lot of money on him. But if DJ Moore goes down, Samuel will, will step into that role and he will be pretty damn awesome. See, okay, so that, that's my question. With Anderson and Samuel going so close together, if you were going to do that handcuffing DJ Moore type thing, you would actually go towards the pedigreed Curtis Samuel over the overpaid Robbie Anderson. I think Samuel has more of a talent 
stack that just translates better to, to what DJ Moore was doing and running, you know, running different routes, you know, so I, I feel like he would command more targets and be better. All right. So let's get to emails here. We'll fly through them as much as we can. Wasp guy also had a chat room question, Dave. He wants to know if zero RB is still viable this year and we're a fan of it. And I'll answer that first. I still like it. And I think people are quick to throw it to the curb after last year. We, we saw not a whole lot of running back injuries and or busts in, in the first round. And I think people are like, well, why are we doing zero RB when look at all the success that people had last year? Last year was, was kind of an outlier as far as running back injuries. And I will not be going zero RB in, in every single one of my drafts this year. I think, quite frankly, I think I've only done it once, maybe twice so far this season. And those were Kentucky drafts where it's a, more of a wide receiver. You know, you, you got to make sure you get those guys locked up. Um, I love, as you know, to my own detriment, I love the modified zero RB where you take the, the running back in the first round and then pound out four receivers in a tight end and then start attacking the running back position again. But I don't think we should throw it to the curb yet just because of a, of a quasi-normal 2019 season at the position. Well, I think the year before, too, it, it was kind of similar. Like there were, It's been like a two-year kind of semi-drought for, yeah. for zero RB. Um, it, it is a little bit of recency bias. I don't think it's – I definitely think it's a strategy that, that does work. It, the part of the problem, though, with – in FFPC format, because you can start four running backs, and because people are pounding running backs, it, it gets dry super fast at running backs. Yeah. So if you actually do it, you you can really – you can run into a lot of problems. And – um maybe like four or five teams take three or four running backs and you're in some dire, even, even, you know, you're looking at, Oh, where are my crappy guys? Well, it's like, all right, what do you want? Daryl Henderson. And, <laughs> right. uh, you know what I mean? Like Chase Edmonds is getting a lot of steam lately yeah. uh, as far as a zero RB guy. It's like, yeah, I mean, you have, you really, you'd like to have some people that are viable to start week one, right? You yeah. Have to count, you, you have to. Yeah. yeah. So it, I don't know. I think that's a little bit, it's, it's a little bit challenging, but I mean, it, your receivers are going to be fantastic. And if you hit on those running backs, I mean, there are waiver wire candidates. I mean, in some leagues, maybe Joshua Kelly gets dropped week one and then, Ooh, yeah. and then, and then he's available for you. So, I mean, things happen. Um, and it, it does, you don't, you don't get a lot of impact wide receivers off the waiver wire. You get some, but not guys that are like really studs. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's get to a couple of emails here before we wrap things up tonight. First one, Dustin in Warren, Michigan, is the Washington backfield worth trying to examine this season or should I just, Stay away. Thanks for all you do. That is Dustin in Warren, Michigan. This is interesting, too, because I saw, I think it was the Football Guys email today. Um, or no, it was a Football Guys email a couple of days ago. Said that there was a, a, a team, I was a Washington reporter, beat reporter, and said that a team source told them that Peterson and Geis are expected to split the first and second down carries. And, and J.D. McKissick is going to be the third down guy there. Dave, I don't, there's nothing to like about that sentence. No, I agree. I don't like any any of well, those. I, you like, the, you like the, the Peterson stuff. You drafted Peterson in the 25th round. I guess, but I mean, I don't think he's been going there, quite frankly. I'm just going to look it up here real quick where he's going in football guys' drafts. I, yeah, he's an 18th round pick, um, so that I guess that's fine. But Geis in the 7th round, no thank you. I, I, I don't understand Geis. I, I don't get that pick. I don't get it. Yeah, I just – Darius Geis – To me, Geis should be going in like the ninth or 10th. Darius Geis or Ronald Jones? Rojo. Darius Geiser, Alexander Madison, who's been rising up forwards. Eh, neither. I think I would take Geis if I had to. I'll take to. Tyler Boyd. Darius Geiser, Tevin Coleman. Geis. Darius Geis or Marlon Mack. <laughs> Mack. I'm going to take Mack, yeah. Exactly. Oh, I hate it. All right. Uh, Kurt in – where the hell is this? Texas Town? Friona. Kurt in Friona, Texas. 
Who is your pick at three this year, guys? Kamara or Elliott, or should I just skip and go with Michael Thomas? Kurt, I apologize for not recognizing your town. Thank you for the email. Who do you like better, Kamara or Elliott? I have a thought on this. I'll take Zeke. I would take Kamara. Great. And if you want to put five on it, I would. Do I get to hear your argument first? My <laughs> argument is this. I think Kamara was playing hurt quite a bit last year and from, what, from the eye test. And this is what I read from a lot of beat reporters saying that this guy was playing at like 70, 75% gutting it out. And because he is as talented as he was, um, they put him on the field because it's Alan Kamara at 75% is still awesome. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, we heard from several guests on this show that they saw the wearing down aspect last year already. And now you get Mike McCarthy in there who loves these three wide receiver sets. And what do they do in the first round? They draft CD Lamb. So now you have Prescott who threw for like 5,000 yards last year, still with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, who caught 1,100-plus yards last year, and C.D. Lamb, who I think was the best wide receiver in this entire rookie class. I think that um, Kamara, to me, is going to get more touches and, by and large, score more and get more fantasy points. So I will take – and I have done this. I've taken Kamara over Elliott in, in – I probably own Kamara in like four leagues already this year. I like nice. him. I like him a lot. Good argument. All right, I'll bet. All right, so most fantasy points – in FFPC this season, I got five on Alvin Kamara. I'll take uh, EE. Just real quick, would you take Michael Thomas over either of them? I would not, no. I wouldn't either. And it's not because, you know, I, I know that there's going to be um, uh, a regression for Thomas this year, but I still think he has a fantastic season. I just think that with those elite of running backs, you got to get one of those guys and let Thomas go to somebody else and, and get your receiver value later. That, that's where I would, I would look at. Ron Jeremy already saying Kamara went three uh, in the uh, 8.30 uh, football guys tonight. So there you go on that one. Moving on. Two more emails. Maybe one more. Dear Jason in Dallas, I'm going with elite tight ends early in a lot of my drafts. Who would you rather go with as a backup then between Blake Jarwin and Jack Doyle? Love your show. That is Tom in Youngstown, Ohio. Tom? Thank you for your draft patronage, assuming you're drafting on the FFPC platform. And thank you for your email. Dave, you like, as, as we were just talking about the Cowboys passing game, you like Jarwin better, or do you like uh, Jack Doyle in uh, Indianapolis better this year as far as a backup tight end for an elite guy that you're drafting early? Um, I would probably go with Doyle. And why, and why are you going Doyle? Just because of track well, geez, I just listened to you tell me about all of the amazing, great <laughs> players. I didn't realize Cowboys. I was telling you on this one. Too. Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, blah, 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 Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott. Where's Jarwin? Like the fifth or sixth or, you know, his name is Blake for Christ's sake. Hey, this guy's terrible. You don't no, like guys named Blake? No. Okay. I also don't like Jack Doyle. I've said this before. I think his yeah. name is stupid, but um, – so Jack, no Ebron this year in Indianapolis. No Ebron, you have T.Y. Hilton, and then you have a rookie, and you have an underperforming Paris Campbell. And what else? Is there anything? Who am I missing? Jonathan Taylor. Austin Holly, is he still bumming around there? Hey, he's probably hanging out in the parking lot. Yeah. But, uh, you, oh, uh, Naheem Hines. I yeah, mean, you have Hines as the yeah. third down back, Marlon Mack, and Jonathan Taylor as the one and two backs. Who's going to figure that out? Taylor eventually will probably become the three down back there, maybe not this year. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm with you on Doyle. I, I, I agree. I think you sold me on it. After I sold you on the Dallas wide receivers, you sold me on Doyle. Yeah. And they were related. Who thunk it? Huh. All right. Uh, one last email. What's up, guys? And football guys dress, which rookie wideout do you like better between Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs? Excuse me. Thank you to Shane in Weehawken, New Jersey, uh, for that one. Dave, uh, we, we talked about Ruggs last week with that 
nasty leg injury, which it seems like he he's going to come out all for the better here. Oh my God, the little the little boo boo he had. You uh, talking about band aids on his I leg? He's wearing he had crutches and everything. I, I think it's more than the fibers. So do you like twelve weeks out? Well, no, this is not Debo Samuel. So Ruggs versus uh, Jerry Judy this year. By the way, the date, if, no matter who it is, the date until the season starts is still the same. It's still 12 weeks. I, I get it, but I don't think this is going to a 12-week injury for Ruggs. That, hence my point. Oh, okay. Who gives a shit? All right, okay. So I get his it. injury doesn't matter. It's 12 weeks out. Okay, so now, now we're talking just talent versus talent, situation versus situation, yeah, opportunity exactly. versus opportunity. Point. Thank you very much. Judy versus Ruggs. Who you got? Well, obviously, because of what I just said, I'll, Rug. Take, I'll take Judy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. I, I, I like Judy's talent better. I feel like the team. Um, I, I just I I think he's going to integrate in the offense better, and I I think actually I I like Locke better than I like Carr. Already. Yeah. No, there's there's something to be said for that. Um, Wasp guy says Judy's route running ability is the key. I okay in this draft, I thought. C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy were on a tier um, above everybody else. Uh, Ruggs is a guy, and, and this is why you can't trust me on this. I've never liked Ruggs because he was a guy that was committed to Florida State to play there and then flipped to Alabama, and I always hated it because I watched Ruggs just crush it for Alabama. The other thing to keep in mind he is— He didn't really crush it, though. He didn't really perform. He performed a lot better than the Florida State receivers that we had. That's fine, but, I mean, in, real, in reality, though, that was probably that was the other thing. is his, he, was under, he didn't really— he had never had a thousand yard season, right? So I mean, granted, he's playing. He had two other guys. Yeah, um, two other studs. Fine, right, I guess. Yeah. But if you're a star, be a star. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Did Jarvis Landry suck because he was playing with Odell Beckham? No, they're both great. And, exactly. And, and Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy are both great. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. But but hold on. But maybe if Justin Jefferson would have been at LSU with Beckham and uh, Landry, he might have not done so great. But we're not denigrating him, right? Oh, I don't like him. Oh, well, maybe I'm just, you I'm, just told, I'm kidding, but yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying. All right. Um, or uh, who, is the, who is the guy that – Josh uh, – who is the Patriots – It's the Swingers movie. The guy behind the guy. They, no, no, no. Who was the guy back in the day um, – the Patriots drafted him. He was like a slot guy, a wide receiver at LSU. His name was Josh something. Um, and, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Boyce. Boyce. Josh Boyce. Boyce. Is that it? Hold on. i got to look this up. Um, yeah, I, would, I really like you him know, a lot, but, and then he sucked. He yeah, he terrible. did suck. He, he totally – Josh Reed. Josh Reed, that's no, who it was. Are you sure? Yes, it's Josh Reed. That's who I'm – the guy that we that went they to, just, Oh, you're talking about right now? No, 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 not right now. This was back in the day. He was a receiver at LSU. He wasn't with – he was pre-Beckham, pre-Landry. All right. And he was a guy that the Patriots drafted, um, and I was like, this guy's going to be great. Wait, they did draft Josh Boyce in 2013 in the fourth round, but go ahead. From LSU? Uh, TCU. Oh, TCU. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, Josh Reed – you do remember this guy if I showed you a picture. He was like going to be a slot type guy where he was going to catch like 80, 90 balls, you know, from Tom Brady and it was going to be great. And he was awful. <laughs> and, and quite frankly, he was better than Josh Boyce, but he was still awful. That's funny. Um, a- anyway, we're, we're wandering down a path that's going to take us well into Speaking of that, our number two. receivers and Akil Harry, is he going to ever be any good? I don't think so. I, I, and, Why and, not? Because the Patriots drafted them in the first round, and, <laughs> and their track record with that is terrible. All right. That's, that's, not, um, that's not really a great that's, argument. No, it's a terrible argument. I just – I go back to what Lou Tranquilli has said on this show before, former guest of not only this show but the High Stakes Lowdown. Oh, Lou, he's an idiot. Now, he kind of attributed this to running backs, rookie running backs. He gives them like four, five, maybe six games, and then he's really ready to form an opinion of 
after that. Uh-huh. And by and large, if you look at the history, yeah, that's, that's correct. That's more true than not, you know. Most of the time, yeah. Most of the time, yeah. And I've sort of applied it to other rookies too. Now, I don't think you can apply that to tight ends or quarterbacks, really. But I think there's something to be said Did, for receivers too. Didn't I mean he had a didn't he have an injury? Harry was hurt for quite a while last year. Yeah. yeah. So. But now look at what the situation is now. Now he's catching passes from Hoyer and Stidham or whatever. Okay. Um, that's, that's, I'm not trying to you know, totally pimp him up or anything. But right. I mean, who's he, look at who's, who's his competition at receiver. You got Edelman. Um, I'm going to bring he, well, this he's up not right. comp, he's, he's a compliment to Edelman. I, I just meant like tar, for targets. Yeah, targets, right. Yeah. right. And he's got Sanu. Who may, I mean, that guy could be cut, by the way. They trade a second-round pick for him. I, I, this is what I've heard. And this is the scuttlebutt on the interweb. From who, Leo on your other side? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, Marquise Lee, they signed. That's nothing. Matthew Slater, he's a special teamer. Jacoby Myers, that guy sucks. Uh, Demir Bird, th- then there's nothing there. So, to your point, Dave, there is a, not a whole lot else there. But The cup board is bare. They drafted those two <laughs> rookie tight ends in um, – uh, Asi, Asi, and uh, Dalton. Oh, those guys are shit, man. That's nothing. That's, no, I just, I don't, I don't. Here's the thing. By the time they get some good, I'm not convinced. First of all, I think Hoyer stinks. So you're saying, but even a bad quarterback throws for three thousand yards, and Edelman will catch two thousand. Uh, Grab won't... Edelman all over the place. Wow, when have I, No, no. When, when have I said, like, dude, Edelman is the guy. I, I've said over and over on the show, like, target Edelman this year. He's going to catch a ton well, of passes. Plus, you have to factor in Sony Michelle for like, you know, fifty yards of receiving for the year. <laughs> so that's fifty. Well, James White will catch twelve hundred. James White will catch twelve hundred yeah. for James yeah, White. Exactly. So James yeah. White and Edelman will have twenty four hundred yards. But, but kidding aside, though, I, I just I look at this from the standpoint of like, okay, well, what's Harry going to be like? How good is he going to be in the outside catching passes from Stidham or Hoyer? And well, I'm going to put it on record. I like Nikhil Harry as a sleeper. Okay, there okay. it is. That's that's fine. If you're still listening, I do not. Mark I'll, t- it down. I'll tell you this right now. Um, Nikhil Harry is going in football guys drafts yesterday. He went as wide receiver 64 at the 1502. That's right behind Curtis Samuel and Golden Tate, and it's right ahead of T Higgins, Paris Campbell, and Denzel Mims. But, uh, yeah, oddly enough, I actually like that slotting quite a bit. I would, I, I would like him way more than those other three clowns. Uh, who would you take between Samuel and Harry if you didn't own DJ Moore? I would probably take Harry because of the upside. But it's, it's actually kind of cool. You know what? I think I would I'd agree close, with you there. Yeah. Um, and uh, that Golden, Tate's, Golden Tate's interesting because he's supposed to deal with Slayton and Shepard. But Tate's a talented player, and he came in, what, mid-year last year? So, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of like Tate a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. They got they got Slayton and Shepard there. Dude, used to be a fourth round pick back when he was. Yeah, know, but I play. mean, I just you know, and Barkley and Engram. No thanks. Um, you know, Tate is probably the most talented receiver out of those three. He might, and that still might not be enough to warrant a fourteenth round pick on him. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, you still have Ingram to deal with. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you two guys that are going after him that I I think I like better than Harry. Yeah. And this may be a mistake on my part. This is the whole mystery box thing with me. I think I'd rather have T Higgins. Um, because I don't trust A.J. Green, and I do trust the Bengals to suck I don't and like, throw the ball a lot. Don't care for T. Higgins. Okay. No, I'm a, that's a hard pass. He's like, I, he's my undraftable. Okay. All right. I just, I just, I, I think that they're going to be throwing a ton there this year, and we saw what Joe Bur- what happens when Joe Burrow throws a ton. He's going to make a lot of plays. Yeah, the guy who crushed it for one year in college, good. Exactly. And all he has to do is crush it one year for me in fantasy. <laughs> um, Denzel Mims, I, I think I like too better than uh, Harry. Wow. Uh-huh. 
It's the same argument. I think that Bill Belichick is going to run the ball a lot this year. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I think New England is going to be in a lot of slobber knockers this year. And it's, there's not, he's not going to be lofting the ball to Harry and involving him heavily in the well, passing yeah, game. At least I, the, I think it's the, going to be Edelman. You have the gunslinger Sam Darnold who's going to be launching bombs to Mims. You, you kid around with that. I'm dead serious. That's what's going to happen. I don't understand I why actually, this is such a weird. By the way, I do think Darnold has been kind of, you know, he was like 20 coming into the, into the NFL. I think he's been crapped on a little bit too much. I think so, too. I think he, he, he might actually come around. Yeah, I like him this year. Um, do you like Par- You don't like Perriman, do you? I don't, I, don't, I don't mind that because he's super cheap. I mean, he's, he's borderline free-ish. See, and that's the reason I don't like this is the last two years. He's done nothing, and then the last few weeks of the year, he crushes it which I guess is good for fantasy playoffs. But I Somebody's got to get yards there. I liked Mims in the whole pre-draft process, you know, and, and I still like him, uh, rookie or not, to go that cheap. All right, well, let's finish it off with Damian Harris' value of 2020. Um, to me, it's not that high because um, we have seen what Bill Belichick does with these New England running backs. Um, I know everybody got excited. We talked about this on the show last, last week about everybody got excited about Harris when Michelle had another surgery and it looks like he might even be breaking down already, which would really suck for the Patriots. Was he a first round pick or was he an early second round pick? Michelle. I thought he was a late first. Late first. Yeah. Um, to, to, to see him. I know, not and perform. Ron Meyer too. I was just so high. Tony up. Michelle, no matter what, man, yeah. that was a theme for like a whole year. To have one of our Kentucky teams named that this year. I man. think that between one of us, we should name one of them. Seems like that's worse than my job at best thing. And that was just- <laughs> Probably that was, just, yeah. that was just a concussion issue. Tony Michelle never had a 50-point fantasy game, I'll tell you that. Damn right. Um, okay, so, um, but James White is there. Rex Burkhead is there. Damien Harris, obviously. Sony Michelle. I just, it could work out a couple of weeks, but I'm not, I'm not taking a chance on him. I feel like you have to, um, you know, in the movie National Treasury, you have to do the code breaker thing where, you, you know, you, you take that device and you put it in a bunch of different ways, and then it finally opens up. Yeah. I feel like Damian Harris to kill it this year. That's what he has to do. You have to, you have to get the code breaker device exactly right, and then it opens up. So I, I feel like that's too tough. Right. I don't want to have to open a code breaker device to get Damian Harris's value unlocked. Okay, so four running backs that are going behind him right now that I'd rather have than Damian Harris, A.J. Dillon, Josh Kelly, Carlos Hyde, Naheem Hines. Rather have all those guys than Damian Harris. I'm not sure about A.J. Uh, Dillon, but other than that, I agree with him. Dude, Dillon, if, if Jones goes down, which, mind you, he's ended I, on the year on IR two of the last three seasons with knee injuries, which I know I quote yeah, on I know, the show. That's, that's, I mean, that's a big deal because then Jamal Williams will step in. <laughs> Jamal Williams, give me a break. They, look, they soaked the second-round pick in A.J. Dillon. We know the future of what the front office and the coaching staff thinks here in Green Bay. That's actually a good point. All right. And, uh, By the way, I, I cannot argue with – the Wisconsin guy who does talk shows about Wisconsin crap sports. Yeah, but I mean, you, but I mean, you follow that too. I mean, well, eh, I mean, really. to, to a certain extent. I, I, I avoid the news, local and national. So just so you know. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully people aren't avoiding this show uh, because I want to first of all thank Dominic Rohde, Dave Gerzak, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and each and every one of you for hopping on tonight on uh, a little extended show. I apologize, or you're welcome for that. I don't know. All right, so it's a big show next week, ladies and gentlemen. We are not on Friday. We are on. Thursday. It is a special Thursday show at 10, 9 central. Why? What do you have? Ice fishing? Uh, no, this is the uh, poker tournament that I'm, I had to postpone because of COVID, but we're doing it this next Friday. Oh, great. So that means I get infected on Monday. I'm going to tell you this right now. After your stupid tournament. I always ask everybody to RSVP. Shockingly enough, numbers are down. So I, I don't know how big a thing <laughs> hey, is going to be. You can come if you want and play. Sure. Absolutely. 
Hey, um, you know, yeah, I'm coming. Okay, next next Friday. Sure, I'm in. Okay, all right. Is so that cool, they care. I, I can't What's imagine what a hundred sixty-five bucks, and yeah. you get and fifteen of that is for brats and beer. I'll start saving tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, so next Thursday, ten nine Central, we're gonna have the intersect. I don't drink beer, but that's okay. I'll bring my own wine. Okay, that's fine. The intersecting.com's Kevin Scott is gonna be on. Kevin Scott, who by the way is one of the oh, sweet. the brand new Dynasty Pros versus Joe's Pros. If he is, I I, I, I believe he is. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he was. So it's, all right, whatever. Let's talk about this after. In any, I mean, that's great. in any event, he's a really intelligent guy. He just put out a draft guide uh, on Twitter a couple of, or on his website a couple of uh, weeks ago. We'll it's talk. An unformed league, I think that's where we're at. Okay. So anyway, he's going to come on, but he's not the only guest. We're going to have FFPC casino host Greg Sidoris pop on for a little yeah, bit too. Really? So we're going to talk to yeah former minor league baseball, but we'll ask him about baseball this year too if it's going to happen. As as a former minor leaguer, maybe he can give us some insight into that. So that is coming up next Thursday at ten. Central. Remember, book those flights and rooms out in Las Vegas. Get in on the main event early bird. Only don't worry about dying or anything. Yeah, no, don't worry about you that. Probably, probably won't. You for sure won't. Probably. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. 17 days left on that main event early bird. And then the FPC, the Football Guys Players Championship early bird, 11 days on the, uh, 11 days left on that. Make sure you're registering for your teams. Uh, best Ball Slims, Dynasty Startups, and of course, that 1230 draft Seven, Seven spots. spots left. Sign up. Your weekend starts this now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I'm saying hi to all the duties from around the way. Yeah, because I got all of them strong jack. My girls are like boomerangs. No matter how far I throw them, they come back. I'm coming straight out. I'm down with digging in the crates and I'm in I actually feel pretty good about that 12:30 filling. Me too, actually. I think it yeah. will fill. I, I was shocked at how fast that midnight filled. So hopefully the the 12:30 fills. And by the way, here's the great part about it. In case. Well, I guess it doesn't make a difference because I'm, I'm speaking to the people who missed the show tonight. But by the time that 1230 draft is over and you're still wired from drafting your football guys team, this uh, show should be on YouTube by then. So <laughs> you can uh, listen to it right then and just make a whole night of it. With all with of our stolen music. Uh, no, I have. I didn't tell you this. You get the license rights? No, I don't. But oh. YouTube has this in their studio. They have this beta version where you can mute the song. It itself and like our voices still it takes a little bit longer to do but it's totally worth it um and then we're golden with there's no copyright claim or anything we so could actually if we wanted to we could monetize the video if we wanted uh, who cares exactly all right thanks so much for listening everybody we'll uh talk to you again next week be safe and uh have a great weekend happy father's day to all the dads out there <laughs>